If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly show about video games. I'm Ben, and with me here today is Brandon. Yo. Hi. What's going on, man? I'm, I'm all right. How you doing? Not too bad. I got a full stomach and a happy heart. And the freshest, most baby-faced Dave I know. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I feel 10 pounds lighter than I did last week. See, I got real thick hair, and yeah. it, it doubles for the hair that grows on my face, so once right. that's taken away i feel nice and light so uh yeah i must say dumpy dave and the two beardy boys (laughs) now that you've got the sideburns you know rocking a little bit i feel like i can take you more seriously (laughs) you couldn't before but you didn't want to tell me that's that's good (laughs) i mean i never even noticed before i mean i i kind of i think i did kind of notice that you didn't have sideburns but it did you know but after I found out the reason why you didn't have the sideburns, <laughs> I, I started respecting you less. I hate myself so much for what actually happened there. And it took me a year to figure it out. But yeah, yeah. So I, I deserve it. I deserve that lack of respect. So yeah, maybe I can slowly start regrowing that respect like I'm regrowing my sideburns. Oh, we'll, that. See. we'll see. Yeah. That all depends. Well, this is uh, the HP Podcast. We talk about video games. Uh, sometimes we talk about other stuff too. Uh, I want to start out by um, mentioning that Dave is now a hybrid. Um, he he is no longer just one thing. He is two things, and that is a, a stay-at-home worker and an in-the-office worker. And I just, I want to hear, do you have like one good story about being back in the office for the first time in a long time? Um. No, I, I never have good stories about anything, as you could probably tell by now. But um, like I, I mentioned last week, I've, I've been working with a lot of people uh, since like November. Like that's when I started this job I'm at now. And I just started meeting these people in person last week. So like I know what they look like. I know what they sound like, but I've never actually been able to gauge how tall these people are. Like you don't so know like, if they even have legs at all. Exactly. And yeah. so everybody has legs so far. So okay. that's, that's, that, there's that. <laughs> <So far. laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been way off on the height for a couple of people. Um, you know, and all you're seeing is just like, obviously, you know, their head and their neck and their shoulders. And I, right. I don't know how you judge height from that, but yeah, there's some people who like are a hell of a lot shorter than I thought. And some people who are a lot taller and some people who are wider than I thought. And, yeah, I don't know. There's just it's it's a weird thing to sort of, you know, meet somebody uh, in person that you've like spent so much time looking at, but not actually like being in front of. Right. So that's kind of wild. I know this one dude that if you only saw his face and shoulders, he looks like, you know, he's a fairly normal size, like a regular dude. But like as you go further down his body, he just becomes more of a cartoon character. And it's like. <laughs> Like the face and shoulders of like a normal sized person, and then the waist of a really skinny person, and the ass of an elephant. It's okay. an, it's weird. It's just it's just strange. Wow. You can never tell with ass, but I like I know when I met you guys, like 
Brandon and Phil specifically were a lot taller than I thought you guys were going to be. Like I never thought you guys were like short or anything, but I don't know. It's just like when I got you two in front of me, I was like, okay, I didn't expect them to be that tall. So yeah, you can never tell. How tall did you think I was? Uh, you were about what I thought you were. You're okay. just a little bit shorter than me. Um, I was going to say, because I'm the same, like Brandon and, and and Phil are both shorter than me. So I didn't know how you felt about me. Yeah. And you you were like, I, I kind of pegged you exactly what you were. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about all that, Brandon? I don't know. How do you feel about Dave being um, classist with... with uh... <laughs> That's okay, dude. Hitus. Honestly, mad respect for all the short kings out there. Um <laughs> I'm coming in at nearly six foot tall, and so I can't empathize. But props to the short kings; they don't get enough. They don't get enough love. Because um, nobody yeah. can see them. It's true. That, that's <laughs> oh, man. that's it. They hide. That's rough. That's rough. All right. I suppose it's probably time to talk about some video games. Um, I I know it's something that we don't normally do on the show, but I guess <laughs> we'll go ahead and go for it. The first thing, this uh, this is news today, so we'll start off with it, I guess, is that uh, there is a new Tomb Raider game has been announced. Uh, the Tomb Raider account tweeted today that Crystal Dynamics is incredibly excited about the future of Unreal and how it will take our storytelling to the next level. That's why we're proud to announce that our next Tomb Raider game is being built on Unreal Engine 5. Uh, so that's the first part. Um, the next part is the fact that, well, just that there's a new Tomb Raider game coming in general. Um, kind of wild, kind of crazy that feels like we had a bunch all in a row. Then we took a few years off and now we're getting another one. Uh, Brandon, you played some of the Tomb Raider games, some of the yeah. newer ones. So we, I think we've all probably had some experience with the yeah. old ones, the, the, the uh, triangle shaped boob Laura Croft. <laughs> exactly. But what about the new ones here? How do you, how do you feel about the new games and what are you looking forward to about the, the no. new one? It's been, um, they've been really good. I haven't played all of them. Um, I've actually post beating the Uncharted series. Um, they kind of feel like they fall in the same vein sometimes, um, for better or worse. Um, but no, I'd definitely be interested in, in popping into something new. Um, I think they did a lot of what they set out to do with the first go at this series. And I'd love to see them do something slightly different. Um, obviously still going to be Lara Croft, still going to be tomb raiding and puzzle based and action adventure, but I'd love to see them try something vastly different. Cause I feel like the last couple we've had have been similar. Yeah. Um, so that's really great. I really genuinely wonder if this is why the Avengers support has been so weird. Um, it's because they're, they're working on, um tomb raider no the avengers support has been weird because no one is playing the game well no i mean well that as well but <laughs> i i also think posted being on game pass really helped out yes but yes, yes. um it's really it's really weird to the people that have played it they haven't even put out a roadmap for this year at all and it's the end of the first quarter so i'm wondering if they're just going to kill it completely and that they're just moving on with this that's kind of what i'm that that's kind of why i was saying it is is i think they've completely moved on and i think this is what they've moved on to so great dave tomb raider how do you feel about it i feel great about tomb raider um this whole revival they did with the tomb raider reboot um i thought was fantastic and i mean obviously it took a lot of inspiration from you know, the, the success that Uncharted had and these really narrative-driven and cinematic games. But um, I always liked that it took, 
you know, those kind of experiences that it was inspired by and took like a much more like brash and like serious tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really liked it. I missed the last one. And part of that was because I, I kept screwing up which one was the last one. Cause it goes, yeah, the names got confusing tomb Raider. And then Rise of the Tomb Raider and Shadow of the Tomb Raider was the last one. I always thought Rise would be the last one because anyways. Um, so yeah, no, I'm excited to hear about this. But Brandon brings up a good point is is if they just come out with another sort of sequel to Shadow of the Tomb Raider, I don't know if it's really going to hit. So it's, it's kind of interesting to think about what they're going to need to do to sort of evolve this franchise. Because, um, you know, I really don't think they need another reboot. I think this formula is working really well, but... You do need something to breathe some air into it. I do recall, um, just like I remember from seeing some of the reviews from um, Shadow of the Team Raider that they introduced like side quests and stuff. So there's like a little hub area um, and you can do some stuff that was off the main critical path. So maybe something um, more along those lines, maybe they go for like a semi-open world or something like that. Or um, yeah, so either way, it's going to be interesting to see how they how they continue to breathe a little bit of new life into this franchise. Yeah, I would. I honestly could see them going about a little bit of it like Lost Legacy, like you were saying. I could see something like that being being utilized, and I yeah. I love Lost Legacy, and I would love to play Lara Croft in that sort of sort of format. And honestly, like it, it, I think they announced it's going to be one of the games on Unreal Engine Five. Yes. Um. Yeah. So. If I that right there is is a massive selling point because like yeah. this this franchise has always been on sort of the cutting edge of visu- visuals so having it being one of you know probably the first AAA titles uh, you know we no, don't know what's going to come out AAA titles on Unreal Engine five it's it's probably going to look fantastic and have a lot of real co- cool visual effects so at the very least I think it'll be a great sort of demonstration of what that can do with a lot of money and resources behind it. Yeah. The interesting thing to me is that Crystal Dynamics is working on it and not just, not just, I mean, obviously they're working on it, but they had a lot of issues recently. You know, they, they Avengers game did not go very well. Um, that was looking bad. And then in, they seemingly got farmed out to work with uh, the initiative over at Microsoft and kind of as a support studio. Now it looks like they might not be just a support studio, but more of a lead studio. And that seems to be due to some trouble at the initiative. But now they're, you know, they're talking about working on their own. And I know lots of these teams are doing, you know, they have multiple teams within a studio and they're working on multiple different games at the same time. But just seems like for them to go from really super shitting the bed with Avengers to getting called in for backup almost seemed like Square Enix wanted to kind of recoup some of their money out of them to now working on Tomb Raider. I want, I just wonder how it's going to go. I wonder what their like mojo is here right now that they're just not, they're not firing on all cylinders. It seems recently. Yeah. I don't know. And honestly, I feel like they were honing their craft throughout the last uh, set of, of Tomb Raider games. Uh And I think Avengers was obviously something incredibly different for them. Um, I just think they tried to make the wrong game for Avengers. Yeah. A lot of Avengers was really good. I'm not one of the people who says that the campaign was really good because it wasn't. But just the, um, like a lot of the ideas they had for it were good. It's just the execution and the, frankly, the the technology was just not there for that game. Right. I did buy it though. A friend of mine wanted me to get it. My bad. Uh, <laughs> My bad, <PM. laughs> Moving on. 
A Sony first-party studio is working on a narrative-driven horror game in Unreal Engine 5. This comes from opattack.com. It says, quote, back in September 2021, an announcement was made that Sony Interactive Entertainment is acquiring Fire Sprite Games. Notably for Sony, the studio was involved in the Playroom and the Playroom VR. Currently, they're working on Star Citizen Theaters of War. However, it seems like that is not the only working title at Fire Sprite, as the job listings on the official website mention a narrative-driven horror game which is being developed in Unreal Engine 5. We are looking for a narrative director to join our development team for a AAA narrative-driven horror adventure game in Unreal 5. Narrative director, they go on to list the details about it. Um, basically, they're hiring more people, not just the narrative director or uh, for the game, but they're hiring lots of different people. Um, they are also hiring for an FPS project, probably Star Citizen. Uh, we didn't know this. Is, so new information here that they're first of all, that they're working on a narrative driven horror adventure game. Also that they're working in Unreal 5, which is great, especially since they're a first party studio and uh, we want to see the best things delivered from those studios, of course, for every platform. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. Are, I know you like horror games to some extent until your wife frightens you while you're streaming them. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is going to be a new franchise or do you think they might be working on, you know, reviving a little something? Um, I would personally, like, you know, this early in this generation, I would like to see something new because then, you know, if it's really, really good, then we've got a lot of runway to build on that franchise. So um, I think now is a good time to 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 try out some new IP. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were just talking about, um, I, I think it was Until Dawn a couple of weeks ago or last week. Uh -huh. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to do a whole lot with this genre from the gameplay perspective to make, you know, a really engrossing experience. So um, you can get creative with this, especially once again, being on Unreal Engine 5. But yeah, I think it's a great time to try out a new IP. And uh, as much as there are some things that, you know, people would like to see revived out there, um, it's, it's always good to see something new, especially again, this early in the console generation. Agreed. And you're right about Until Dawn being, it's not exactly a, um, I mean, it's a detailed game, but it's not exactly a intense game to make, I wouldn't think. And that explains why, you know, all the Dark Pictures games are coming out so quickly after one another. They're not exactly reinventing the wheel for any of these, but. Yeah, it's like, it, it's like glorified Telltale games. Yeah. You know, yeah, like. To some extent. Like in a way. Yeah. Hopefully in a, I mean, it will be in a better engine. Yeah. Uh, than obviously. Games, obviously. So. Yeah. And that's like oversimplifying it, but. I'm with Dave. Um, I think that of all genres that get a bunch of love, horror games don't often get the same love a lot of other genres do as far as new IPs, new games, innovation. Um, so I would love to see something something new um, from them, especially a horror game. For sure. Yeah, it was a little... I think a lot of people were confused when, when Sony bought uh, Fire Sprite last year. But... I mean, they've they've done good work in the past, and we have to assume that Sony knows more about what they're working on than we know about as the public. So we'll see. Um, I always love the any I, I'm not somebody who is like, oh, first party game, let's go is going to be great. But I know that the first party games usually have more money pumped into them and utilize the features of the platforms better. And that's why I get excited for first party games. I don't care which party it is, but if you're if it's somebody you own and you make a console, you have to assume that those games are going to be 
some of the best feature sets on those consoles. And we like I buy a new console because it has new stuff. I don't necessarily just want the same old, same old. So exciting anytime we find out somebody's working on a new game for sure. Uh, okay, remember a couple years ago, or I don't even know when it was at this point, Epic got in a bunch of trouble because they had just been, not, I don't really just want to say a bunch of trouble. They were coming under fire because people who had like made these dance moves were suing the shit out of them for them basically ripping them into Fortnite and monetizing them. And people were suing for like lots of money. And I think they settled with a few people, maybe even perhaps. Well, this comes by way of game industry, gamesindustry.biz says YouTube, no, YouTube Heil, man, I can't even say this name right. YouTuber Kyle Hanagami, Hanagami claims company repurposed one of his copyrighted choreographies. He's filed a lawsuit against Epic Games over alleged unauthorized use of a dance move in Fortnite. He claims that it's complicated dance emote in the game. Copies one of his own choreographed moves, which he holds the copyright for. Now, first of all, I'll, I'll continue reading and then I'll say this. His suit asked for a court order to stop the emote from appearing in Fortnite and also to seek legal fees and unspecified compensatory damages. Epic has filed similar lawsuits in, uh, in the past over Epic has, man, I can't read today. Epic has faced similar lawsuits in the past over alleged stolen dance moves. Rapper, rapper 2 Millie, Instagram influencer Backpack Kid, and actor Alfonso Rubiero were among the individuals to file lawsuit, lawsuits accusing the Fortnite maker of repurposing dance moves in 2018. In 2019, all of the above suits were dismissed as the three people in question did not hold the rights to the dances that Fortnite had allegedly copied. Okay, so I was wrong about the settlements part. Uh, since Hanagami actually holds the copyright to the dance moves, uh, which is a weird thing to do, um, he may have a little bit more to go. So what I was going to say earlier is, how lame do you have to be to copyright a dance? Well, I need for, to know what the process I'm, is for, like, I'm what does that form look right like? It's it's so. How do you copyright movement? It, yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I would agree with you. I don't. I don't really understand that either. Um, now, Brandon, what are you gonna do when they remove your favorite emote from the game, and you've already paid money for it? I mean, that's happened before. Yeah. And <laughs> and honestly, I mean, I think people just took the L. Yeah. People. Things have been removed from the game before and people just deal with it. And I mean, it's not the majority of players. I, I don't know. I feel like this is this is old old hat at this point. I mean, people have tried it before and he might have some grounds if he has it literally copyrighted. Yeah. But whenever he gets a $1 million, like, I don't know. To be honest with you, Epic can just pay the fuck off whoever they want. They could probably pay off most of the governments in the fucking world with how much money they have. So I don't know. I just... I think that it's something that they've done before and that I'm sure they have many, many people behind the scenes that deal with this exactly. Dave, what do you think about the fact that this guy's lawsuit does not even ask for compensation? It just asks them to literally just stop the emote from appearing in the game. He well, has asking for money to cover the legal fees. Uh, okay. It does say unspecified compensatory damages. I don't, really know uh how much that's going to be but like he's not asking like please pay me for the use of this in the game it doesn't seem like they just yeah. want to take him down that's it like yeah that's what he says that's really weird and i i'm wondering just because that damage figure is not specified if it's not still substantial but just for some 
strategy in the lawsuit. They've decided not to say, because maybe if they don't say it right off the bat, then Epic doesn't need to go public with how much they have to actually settled for. But True. Um, I mean, Brighton makes a good point because as you were reading this, I was thinking, how could Epic makes this mistake a second time? It sounds so ridiculous to to think that you have to go and check if somebody's copyrighted this weird movement. But yeah, um, yeah maybe they just don't care, and I, they're they're you know they've they've breathed new life into their game with the no builds um, mode in in Fortnite. So. Um, yeah, maybe they just don't care, and they they say take the money, take the settlement. It's 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 not a big deal for it's more worth it for us to keep this in the game, or have sure. it in the game for at least a, some period of time than to go to the due diligence of checking copyright and stuff like that. So, yeah. now the the one thing about this is if this guy legitimately thinks he they have you know essentially stolen or ripped off his dance that he has copyrighted. You do, I, th- I think it's copyrights as well, but I think trademarks too. You have to defend your copyright. So if, if you feel like someone's, encro- so it's actually kind of expensive to do this, but if you feel like somebody is encroaching upon your copyright, you are obligated to defend it. And if you don't defend it and there is a, uh, somebody comes up against you and there is proof that you haven't defended it in the past, you can lose that copyright. So maybe he's just covering his bases because like if this guy cares enough to get a dance move choreographed and uh, or if he has it, if he cares enough to get a choreographed dance move copyrighted, he must want to keep it. And it probably was. I know the copyright process can be expensive, but I don't know what kind of loser choreographs a dance for or copyrights a dance, first of all. But maybe this is a thing that he is, you know, being compelled to do just so he can keep the copyright. Yeah, well, I and- wonder if like if if the copyright item that you have to defend is a dance move. Do you is there like a dance off somewhere? It's like a save the yeah. last dance sort of last scene kind of thing. Like who did it better, the Fortnite character <laughs> yeah. or Hanagami? <laughs> I also didn't you say he had something to do? They I don't even know what it is, but um, they had something to do with YouTube or something. Didn't didn't you say that? He's a YouTuber. Is this PR? Uh probably. Is this a hundred percent just PR? Uh, I don't well, know, we know that, who I, he is now. I don't know well, about that. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Some random guy on YouTube has a copyrighted move. It's just like, okay, let me let me look him up real quick. I don't know. Let me look him up real quick. We're gonna find out who this guy is and what kind of channel he has. I should. I I'm did. just curious, just because I don't know much about the dance world, but I didn't even. And after giving it more thought, I guess it seems outlandish to copyright a dance move but i'm thinking of something like like mc hammer shuffling with the parachute pants or something i don't know something more iconic than some random person on youtube and i could maybe see it's justification in there but at the same time i'm also just like i don't know copyright laws are weird man oh. i i don't know okay know. i'm we might need to rescind or specifically i might need to rescind the loser comment uh it's kyle hanagami his youtube page says hey guys my name is kyle and i'm a choreographer from los angeles i've choreographed for some of the biggest stars and tv shows in the world but my favorite thing to do is make dance videos for you uh his channel as of right now has 859 million views jesus christ um he has 4.54 million subscribers and i'll tell you what his uh He's got a lot of choreography. Like, this is his life. So, you know what? For him to copyright a dance move when it's literally his income, like his job, okay, I, it makes a little more sense now. Right. But, well, my guess, 
is that whoever found this dance move probably saw someone else doing it who had learned it from Hanagami and took it from there, not knowing that right. it was the, from another source. That's my guess. Detached from the original source. Yeah. Wow. I, I feel like I've kind of went, went flipped the entire way around on this now that I've gotten like way more context. I probably should, probably should have <laughs> looked it up, but like, I guess he has a case, but I don't know. It, it It is also weird to me. And I feel like he probably will just receive a settlement check. I still stand by that. Now, here's the other thing. I don't know anything about what I'm saying here. I haven't watched any of these videos. As we just found out, I did very minimal research on this subject before I started talking about it. All of his, uh, not all, but a lot of his videos are like uh, to, you know, it's him doing dances and showing people how to do dances to other people's music. So he's got like, you know, uh, Billy Irish, Billy, Billy Irish. Billie Eilish songs on here, um, Ed Sheeran songs, uh, Coldplay, BTS, Adele, stuff from Encanto, Justin Bieber. Is he even able to monetize these? I don't know. Again, I'm just talking out of my ass here because I didn't listen to it. Maybe they're covers and and it's fine, but I don't know how this guy's making money. But either way, it seems he does have a legitimate reason to copyright a dance move. Okay. Billy, Billy Irish. Billy Irish. I'm the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Moving on. According to, there's a very loud vehicle revving its engine outside. dude. Someone's street racing out there. Yeah. Uh, The PlayStation blog reports that PlayStation Plus games for April are Hood, Outlaws, and Legends, SpongeBob SquarePants, Battle for Bikini Bottom, Rehydrated, and Slay the Spire. Uh... On top of that, there was an announcement. I think there was this announcement. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, here we go. Uh, Persona 5 is leaving the PS Plus collection on May 11th. So that's the first game we've seen leave the PS Plus collection yet. Let's start with the the PS Plus games. Dave, you are somebody who I feel like you utilize the the PS Plus games and and everything more often than probably Brandon and I do. How do you feel about this lineup? Uh, it's not great. Um, and I mean, it's all subjective. It's just, there's nothing that really hits for me. And I'm not the kind of guy who just, um, like I, I won't add every single PlayStation plus game to my downloads list, which I really should, because I've been burned on it before. Um, but yeah, there's just, there's nothing here uh, aside from slay the spire, because it's such a different game than I normally kind of play Um, that might be one I check out, but I, I kind of was expecting more. I, I thought, um following up from the playstation plus revamp um announcement from last week that maybe they would would you know keep the iron in the fire a little bit and have a really good lineup for this month just to get people on board uh that maybe aren't already there but uh that wasn't the case this month so yeah it's definitely a little bit underwhelming for me my guess would be that they're they're saving some of those big ones for when they actually roll out the service could be but there's plenty of other big games that they go check in there just to i don't know because they seem to have banger months and then it's filled with three or four months of just you know it's like the menu of a scottish restaurant just not good so yeah (laughs) brandon how are you feeling about the lineup hood battle for bikini bottom and slay the spire uh honestly i'm actually kind of interested in hood yeah um we had talked about that before on the show uh, and i think hadn't you played that ben i sure did Played yeah. a good bit of it actually. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually really interested in that. Um, I wanted to check it out when it first came out. Never really got the chance. I heard you guys talk about it, but 
Um, always interested in fun, cooperative experiences, and that seems to be just that. Um, yeah, check it out. Um, it's like a four-player. What is? It's like a four-player co-op online mode. Yeah, well, it's um, it's a full co-op PVE mode. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I and there, there is another mode that is PvPVE. So basically, two teams start out on opposite sides of the map and have to do the same thing you would do in the PVE mode, but you have another team. But also, okay. Yeah. 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 And it's been a while since I remember you guys talking about it, but I remember at the time being interested in it. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, I remember playing SpongeBob games as a child. Uh Um, And so honestly, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm excited or even interested in playing the game, but I will try it. Yeah, I will 100% try this SpongeBob game just out of like morbid curiosity. Well, did you play Battle for Bikini Bottom? Because this is just the remake of it. Oh, shit. I didn't even know. No, I thought it was a brand new game. But no, no, Um, I don't think. I think it was a PS2 one. So yeah. maybe it was. But um, I'd actually have to look into that. But Didn't um, Phil review this? Uh, yes. <laughs> I think it might have been like his last review. I think so. What a way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> before he died. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other one I, I don't really know much about, but I definitely think Hood is going to be is going to be the the headliner there for me. I'll agree with Dave. It's not the strongest lineup, but yeah. um, it's free in quotes. Right. So I, I played a good bit of Hood, as Brandon mentioned. Uh, I played it on PC right when it came out. I played it. I think I played with my buddy, Justin. And then with Dustin and our friend Jimmy and the four of us played a couple nights and had a lot of fun with it. And then Justin and I played a little bit more after that. Uh, it, it was fun. It had a lot of technical problems, which I think most of those they've worked out. Um, and then the company that makes this recently just got bought by um, Tencent. So, you know, Oh, wow. You know, I just had Why to did th- you preface? I had to that? throw that in there. Why didn't so. you preface? Uh, I'm sl- not excited. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I'm Slay the Spire, Dave, you mentioned might be of interest to you. I would highly recommend it, even if just for like a, a one session, because uh, it's a it's basically a card deck building game. And I thought it was a lot of fun. It's also now this is totally on the other system, uh, the other side of the aisle. But this is one of the few games I have played on uh, cloud gaming on Xbox. I don't know if it's still available. I think it is. But it's on Game Pass and and you can play it with cloud because it's turn-based and there's no latency issues. Well, there are latency issues, but they don't affect the actual gameplay. So that was that's where I played the majority of it. Like while I was at my cousin's house, just like up at 3 a.m. while everybody else was asleep. And I was like, what do I do? Oh, I'll play Slay the Spire on my phone. So I thought it was really fun and probably put, I don't know, half a dozen hours into it or something. But uh, I'd like to get back to it and maybe it being on PlayStation will be and having access to it is a, is a good reason to do that. I don't know. Yeah, you um, you obviously recommended um, SteamWorld Quest pretty highly, and yes. it's uh, this is a game I always thought was similar. It's a card game, obviously, so right. it's it's got those similarities. But yeah, whenever I saw it, I kind of thought about that game because you recommended that. I really, really like that game. So I think this being free is is one that'll be easy for me to check out. You really like SteamWorld Quest? I did. Yeah, yeah. I really like that game. I'll tell you what, SteamWorld Quest. I I was thinking the other day about going back and playing it again. I. I play a lot of these card games and hate most of them. And that's one that just like, I loved everything about. So if, if anybody's listening that hasn't played it, it's gotta be cheap now. Go back and play that game. It's a good game. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Okay. Uh, moving on. Oh, I guess we can we can mention this too here. Uh, it's kind of tied in with what we were just talking about. PlayStation Now games for April. Now, PlayStation Now is going to be more interesting as we move forward because a lot of people have either PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Now, or they have both. And they're going to all be rolled up into one system here soon. But anyway, for now, April, Outer Wilds, WRC 10, Journey to the Savage Planet. I don't know that anybody has anything to say about these necessarily, except for Outer Wilds and everything. But what do you guys think of this lineup? Even though none of us use PlayStation now, it's still nice to see good games get added to them. Yeah. Um, occasionally. Wait, what? The this Outer Wilds or something. the Outer Worlds? It's the Outer Wilds. It's just Outer Wilds. It's not the Outer Wilds. I said it wrong. Which fucking one is that? I always That's get these the one two... that was not like the Space Fallout. It was the other one. Oh, God. God, I always get those two confused. Like literally all the well, time. Well, there is still know. space stuff. But it's not Space Fallout. <laughs> but it's, it's not, not Space Fallout. That's <laughs> yeah. It's not funny Space Fallout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, Werewolf the Apocalypse, Earthblood, is joining the light up uh, starting today, actually, as we record this. Well... So, I don't know. Outer Wilds, I played some of. Somewhat enjoyed it, somewhat didn't. Don't really care about WRC. Journey to the Savage Planet, I played and reviewed, actually. I think I reviewed it pretty well. I remember liking it. It wasn't like... There were a lot of issues with it, but it was um, it was fun. And the humor in it was really good for about the first two hours. And after that, I was like, oh, okay, that's that's the same joke again. Uh, very Borderlands to me in that, oh, in that right. respect, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people love that about Borderlands, so hey, maybe you'll love it. And I don't know anything about this Werewolf the Apocalypse game. I'm sorry. I failed you all. Well, PlayStation Now, I I, I feel like a lot of people are going to be getting these games just because, you know, it made so much news last week with this pricing error slash brilliant move by Sony to make PlayStation Now. I think they, they it was like, it, it was priced some way that you could stack it up for several years or several different whatever. And then in June, when it flipped over to PlayStation Plus, like the middle tier, you would have that for effectively half the price. Right. So I don't know if this was fixed, if it was an error, or if it was just some genius marketing to accidentally get a whole bunch of early adopters of of the new subscription service. But um yeah, I don't know. They probably got a whole lot more. Play. The PlayStation Now numbers probably jumped huge last week, just with the amount of you know coverage and attention it got with that little thing right there. Was it PlayStation Now or was it PlayStation Plus that's going to convert, or maybe it was both? PlayStation. So there were PlayStation Now annual subscriptions. I believe they were for sixty dollars, 
and you can stack them for several years. Right. You can do so, that with PS Plus too is why I was... Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, is in June, that PS... If you have a PS Now subscription, it it transfers right. to the, the second tier PlayStation Plus thing. And then basically you've got something that costs a lot more and you would have bought it for half the price now. Gotcha. So, I don't know. It was some weird thing, but uh, I, I saw a lot of people who said they were getting PlayStation Now just because it was going to convert right to playstation plus to platinum whatever in in june so i think i still have i don't have ps now i've never even tried the trial of it frankly but the uh ps plus i think i'm still good for like another year and a half so that'll be interesting to see how they convert that one to it'll probably just be the lowest tier i would guess yeah but yeah i'm pretty sure that's the way it goes. okay so according to jez corden over at windowscentral.com microsoft is moving ahead with an xbox game pass family plan Quote, rejoice Xbox fans for Microsoft is about to plug an annoying gap in its Xbox Game Pass service. Xbox Game Pass is Microsoft's all you can eat. Well, we already know what Xbox Game Pass is. Um, one glaring omission from Game Pass historically has been the lack of any sort of Xbox Game Pass family plan, which would let you share access to the service among a household. We've written about the needs for such plan before, especially since Nintendo offers a family plan for its online services and platforms like Disney Plus and Netflix have had it for years now. Uh, so basically he's saying that he's heard about their desire to do this. Uh, there were a lot of details to work out with um, how royalties would go and everything like that. Um, now, I don't know that this necessarily applies to any of the three of us, but I know it's something that I have heard a lot of. For me, the way I use my Xbox uh, family pass is uh, my son just plays on my Xbox under a different account and anything I download, he can play and it's no problem. But um do you guys utilize any of the other family plans or do you intend to use the Game Pass family plan at all? I don't really understand. So like, because like I have Game Pass on my Series S here and then I also have Game Pass tied to the Xbox One that's at my sister's house. So like, I, I don't know. I don't understand how like a family plan works, I guess. And how that I think be- it's because technically you're not supposed to have probably it signed in at your sister's house. Oh. So you would then need to have like, like if there, it, it was like a multiple household. I'm imagining like kids, right? You you got two different kids with Xboxes and instead of buying them each individually game pass, you buy a family plan and it's all one plan. Okay. So the way you have it right now, Dave, I think is the max you can do with that is two two consoles. Got it. And I'm a little hazy on this. I know better how the like the plan sharing works on uh, or game sharing works on PlayStation. On Xbox, though, um, I'm pretty sure it works a similar way in that you can have your primary console, and specifically since you're talking about two different consoles, so you're talking about the Series S and the um, Xbox One. Uh, it might even work a little bit differently there, but traditionally, if you have two systems. Uh, one has to be the primary console and one has to be the, the secondary. Right, secondary. Right, right. With um, what they're saying about this family plan is it might, it'll allow access for five players for games across the entire library. And basically what it would be is it would be less um, less cost per person using it because right now if you want to actually have five different accounts using it, you'd have to have a multiple Game Pass subscriptions. Right. Um, the other thing about it is that you won't have to like do the whole sign in and sign out thing and download the game on somebody else's account. It'll just be part of the same account. Kind of like how with Netflix, how you can create different profiles and you're, you know, you, you have to pay higher sometimes depending on how many you want to run at the same time. But like, 
I think my Disney Plus account has like nine accounts on it. Not because there's actually nine people using it, but because my son thought it would be funny one day if he made <laughs> an account for Grammy and an account for his cousin and an account for like, you know, just he just was making new accounts because he liked the avatars on them. And I was like, you really don't need to do that. But anyway, all that to say, I think a lot of people will have use for this because there are plenty of people who have multiple consoles in their same house. But I wonder how much abuse there will be. Like, let's say the three of us and two other buddies, um, Dustin and Phil, if he were still alive. Let's see. Let's say the five of us wanted to split one of these. What would prevent us from doing that in this instance? I don't really know. I, I mean, what is ever preventing anybody from utilizing a family plan when not being an actual family? Right. And I've always wondered why they allow that. Because like Netflix, uh, I don't think I share it with anybody right now. But in the past, I've shared Netflix with like three or four other people with the same login. And I don't I'm like, this doesn't seem I quit doing that because the person I one of the people I was sharing it with was like watching it 24 seven. So I couldn't ever <laughs> right, get onto right. it, you know, but, um, and I was paying for it. So I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand why companies do this. It's, it's not, I don't understand how it can net them more money overall. They rely on our goodwill, Ben. We're taking the monies out of Netflix's mouth. I guess. I think it just, it fits really well into Microsoft's sort of strategic ecosystem they have where, you know, we're in the, you know, we're starting a new generation here where Microsoft has arguably three different platforms that they want you to play on with the Series S, the Series X and PC. And then you can throw cloud and stuff in there. So right. I think this just sort of promotes people getting multiple devices and playing in different like mediums within a single household. And it just, I think it just removes a barrier for that. Um, well, I already I don't know. do that with Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point, but it's but only on one account. Yeah, it it and it just it just makes it a little bit easier for. I think it's probably a smaller you know segment of people, but enough where Microsoft is just doing it. I mean, but the other thing that it kind of suggests is we've we've asked for so many years how Game Pass is profitable. Um, we still don't have the answer, but the fact that they're extending this sort of gratuity to people suggests that it, they're doing just fine and they can afford to... Or they don't to, care um, if they're profitable. Yeah, or that yeah. too. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, they're in a good spot and I think this is a good move and it's going to make it easier for at least some people um, sure. to share. Yeah. Well, whenever, uh, whenever the details come out, I'll be hitting you guys up to try to split the cost and get that price down a little bit. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Hey, if they are willing to let it be exploited... Yeah, I'll gladly say, say why money. not, dude? A couple yeah. bucks a month between friends for everyone to have Game Pass. That sounds all right, to be honest. I'm yeah, gonna, I want to uh, play on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> uh, Tuesdays, actually, I need it. Sorry. I'm gonna have to... Tuesdays around six. I'm busy. Yeah. Um, I Maybe I'll make Dustin give me access to his family plan because I give him access to HBO. So it'll work out ultimately, right? That's how yeah. it goes. Sounds about right. That's about all the news I have. Brandon, you had one, or no, Dave, you had one other thing that I can't remember what it was now. Yeah, oh. I was just, I, I mentioned E3 at the start. And, oh, right. Uh, I, I know it's slightly older news, but uh, yeah, I was curious. See, I've never been to E3, but I, I kind of grew up on E3, I guess. Yeah. Um, I always look forward to all the new game releases and announcements that, you know, we would get at, at E3 and... I think the first like big franchise I followed was 
uh, Metal Gear Solid. And I remember, you know, looking forward to E3 every year because we were going to get like a new, like super cool cinematic trailer for whatever game was coming out next. So, right. um, yeah, I don't know. I was just curious what you guys think. I, now, it doesn't necessarily mean E3 is dead, but, uh, you know, getting a full on cancellation of the event this year certainly can't bode well for future iterations of E3. So, yeah, I, I know it's it's a little bit older and, and it's probably been talked about, but just curious what you guys think about E3 being canceled in full this year. Yeah, I've been to E3 a couple times and it was always my dream to go. As a matter of fact, in like 2011, I think it was, 2010, we got invited, uh, outlet I was running at the time, we got invited and I couldn't go for some reason. And I always, like I, I hated it so bad that I couldn't go. And then I thought, my opportunity is gone. I'll never get to go. And then finally, I got to go. And we got accepted as Handsome Phantom. And it was amazing. And like, it was really cool. And then I was like, okay, so this is good. We're done. We're fine with this now. Like, there's a lot of magic to it if you get to go to all the press conferences, if you get to see all. From home, I would say, too, that it was like really nice having all that stuff condensed into one week. Um, the show floor doesn't matter as much when you're getting to see all the press conferences, but the show floor is really cool too. So for me, it is kind of sad because I hate like last year, I think I watched like two different press conferences and just caught up on Twitter on all the rest of the stuff because everything's so spread out and there's so many of them you got to keep track of and all these like directs and everything. I think there's advantages to that, but I'm also like really a fan of having everything condensed into that one week. So I'm a little split on it. I think E3 as a structure um, has probably bit the dust and as far as we know it we were just talking about PAX earlier and PAX East has almost no vendors going this year um, it seems not I shouldn't say vendors but like publishers and, and developers going and that seems really sad because we love PAX and it's a cool place to go and hang out with your friends and to see games and to get behind the scenes stuff and everything like that so like I, I'm, I'm afraid the time of conventions is going to go by the wayside eventually and I think that's good and bad for the industry and for the consumer really um, I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings about it for sure. Brandon, what do you think? Yeah. How do you feel about it? Um, I think honestly, we've suspected something like this might happen for a couple of years now. Um, E3 has changed uh, drastically over the past five or six years, I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Um, and is definitely different than it used to be. I mean, obviously, the world has changed a lot. Sure. In that time frame as well, it's not just exclusive to the to the conference, but. Um, I knew something like this would happen at some point. Um, I don't necessarily think that, like what Dave said, I don't necessarily think this is the death of E3, right. but I think this is the death of definitely what we thought E3 was before. Right. Um, so, uh, in, I mean, to be honest with you guys, I just don't think E3 at, at some point was a place where all the things came together, but so many people have no need for that anymore. Right. They do their own thing. I mean, and how many, literally how many studios do their own thing now? Right. Because they just don't need, they have their own platform. So why would they go through somebody else when they could just talk directly to their audience? I, I think, and maybe I sound like a hipster or something here, but I think the death of E3 or the, the eventual death of E3, the, the beginning of the death started when they really made it targeted more towards a consumer show than an industry show. And used to, like, E3 was all about getting the reporters there to talk about the games. There's a function of it that, like, the the buyers for Walmart and Target and GameStop and everything would come to the show. 
to check out the games and talk to the people and, and finagle deals uh, to be able to carry those games and decide if they wanted to and even figure out where they were going to be on the shelf and everything. And now that stuff happens months and months and months and months ahead of E3 ever even occurring. So by that point, all the people have their deals. So it was becoming more of an industry, um, like the industry people were the the back burner and the it was more becoming a consumer facing show, which again, I think is good and bad for the industry. But I, yeah, it, it was becoming something different and whether that was going to be good or bad in the long run, we don't know, but it definitely... It is interesting because there were a couple meetings I had at E3 where I would go like, you go back into this room off this hallway on this adjunct part of the building next to the kitchen where all the people are like rolling by the carts and like, they're like, okay, uh, you know, here's all the products we have coming out this year. I'm like, okay, why are you back here and not out front? Right. Like you have these 18 peripherals that look awesome, but like nobody's ever going to see them to report on them unless you set up meetings with them. And even then, I don't know. It, it it just was a little weird how like the main function of the show was moved to the back burner uh, the way it used to be and, and everything. So I don't know. I, I'm sad about conventions in general not being a thing as much, but I don't know that it's bad overall for everybody. It might just be my uh, nostalgia talking a little bit. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, there was um, there was an article on gameindustry.biz. It was it was an opinion piece, but it I think it kind of echoed my sentiment pretty well. And it was it just kind of reminded me that like the thing that E3 E3 provides really has nothing to do with E3. And you know, the fact that we have summer games fest now and um, state of plays are happening all throughout the year. Like we're still getting the stuff that, you know, for me anyways, and and maybe for a lot of other um, consumers is, is what we want out of these shows, which is really cool announcements and stuff to get excited for. So I mean that isn't going anywhere. I do regret not being able to go, um, but but yeah. I mean, again, this isn't necessarily the end, and I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree that that uh, these shows are going to slowly die off. I think there still is a place for them, but mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe the big ones we're not going to see as many anymore. But right, yeah, it'll be interesting, anyways. I'm wondering how the ESA will do um, because they made about half their money for the year off of E3. And that money does go to good things. It's, I mean, I think it's used to like help lobby for whenever you see something about violence of video games come up and more restrictions being put on, you know, they're, they're the lobbying arm of that. And um, the ESA helped create the ESRB and uh, like, there's a lot of good things that the ESA has done, but will they be able to pull that off as much without E3 existing? I don't know. Kind of interesting. Uh, Well, let's talk about what games we've been playing for me. I'll start off because mine's kind of lame. Uh, not lame, but the same. I've been playing Elden Ring. I have a lot um, of more fun things to say about that, but most of it's the same as I said last week. Uh, I've been playing Sea of Thieves, of course, and I've been playing a game called The Cycle, The Cycle Frontier. Did I talk about this last week? No, I don't think. No. It's currently in closed beta, and uh, I think you can get a key by... Um, I don't know if you can still get a key, but you can get a key by watching somebody play it on Twitch for a couple hours and get a drop. Uh, it's PvEVP. Uh, you go in, you gather resources, you have like a hub world. Basically, people have, have said it's like a combination of Tarkov and Fortnite. Um, a lot of inventory management. Um, of course, you're competing against other people who are dropping in. And the the servers last six hours and you can drop in and then you can extract at, at your extract point. Um, 
it's fun. I'm very, uh, I've not been having good luck with it with the people I've played. Part of the thing I don't like about it too much is the balancing seems a little off. If you've played a ton of it and you've been successful, you can get super high powered weapons and armor and everything. And you're on the same map as somebody who is playing for the first time ever. So there is kind of a curve there that I don't like, but I, the thing I like about it most is it's a closed beta. They did a closed beta before and or very, very limited beta actually before. Um, at the end of that, they shut it off. They went back and worked on stuff for a few months. They came back with another part of the beta. They're going to shut it off and work on it for a few months. None of this early access. Maybe they'll do this eventually, but no, no early access bullshit. No, hey, pay 20 bucks for the game and we'll see, um, you know, if maybe you can stay in it for the rest of eternity or anything like that. At least not yet. And um, it seems like they're doing the beta the right way. So I like that about it. But that's about it. That's not a whole lot to say. Other than that. Brandon, what about you? Well, um, honestly, I've really just been playing Horizon. Okay. Um, I guess I don't really have a whole lot to say that's interesting. Um, I feel like I finally got back into it. I felt like there was a part of me missing after completing Elden Ring. I think yes. I've said this before, but mm-hmm. I'm finally moving on a little bit, and I'm back into really enjoying Forbidden West. Nice. Um, and that isn't a statement towards Forbidden West. It's a very good game, right. um, and I'm enjoying it, but... Um, yeah, I'm just chugging along, man. I've been clearing map. Okay. So you haven't been progressing the story? Uh, here and there, but I've also been like heavily prioritizing clearing map, um, for better or worse. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, honestly, that's it. I am looking forward to being done with this game. Um, I'm enjoying the time I had, but I kind of want to do something else now. Are you going to get the platinum? Yes. Nice yeah yeah if if i'm gonna go through all the all this (laughs) all this hassle to you know do most of the things in the game i'm definitely gonna get the platinum so but um after everyone talking about ghostwire i'll definitely be playing that next whether that be me picking it up myself or me just borrowing dustin's copy i definitely think not definitely i am gonna be playing this at some point so um whenever i finish horizon uh based off of you know the discord and dustin's thoughts i'm definitely gonna give it a go yeah ghostwire is my next one um, my son's been playing. He bought Kirby and has been playing dude, it. Me too. Yeah, did you? Uh, dude, holy fuck! I, <laughs> I've been playing Kirby as well. The new Kirby's really good. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, even um, though it's on Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo. yeah. Well, Dustin got it for me for my birthday. Oh, nice. I've been playing it with Lauren. The co-op's actually really great. Um, if you Dustin got me shit for my birthday. Damn. Yeah. If if you're into if you're into co-op games, you don't get to play as Kirby as player two. But you get to play as one of the little um, Waddledees. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Cool. I would check it out, but definitely. I mean, I'm gonna check it out after my son's done playing it. Dude, play it with him. That's what I'm saying. Well, I will. Oh, but I I want to also play it myself. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Also, I want to play the Skywalker Saga, the new Lego game. Yeah, that actually looks heat. I've been seeing a. I don't know if I saw a video of it or like a GIF or on Reddit or something. Yeah, but I saw like dark souls ass rolling like like someone was playing yoda and it was almost like a dark souls boss they're like what a fucking game did i buy yeah. i don't even know if it's out yet but i it's out today i swear i saw something online, yeah. but yeah i want to buy it but i know that by the time i can play it the price will drop so far i, I guarantee as soon as i buy it it's going down 20 bucks yeah so it's, I'll wait. it's like 45 next week yeah dave what about you what have you been playing uh nothing special not much new just been playing more elden ring um Slowly making my way through it. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to being done, not because I'm not having a good time or anything, but I just I put so little time into into Gran Turismo, but I can't bring myself to play Gran Turismo when I could be making progress in Elden Ring. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot to do in that game, and even if you're gonna try and be, it's so hard to to critical path and beeline it because like you're just gonna be under leveled and have a yes. bad time. So yeah. Um, but I did play MLB The Show 22 today on, okay. uh, on Game Pass that just came nice. out today. Right. Uh, it's day one on Game Pass. So yep. um, it's it's kind of nice having those yearly sports games come on Game Pass because, you know, you want to play the latest version, but there's such like iterative additions to the franchise where it's just like you can't bring yourself to pay full price right and yeah playing this today uh they've they've you know they've done little things here and that definitely runs smoother um i'm playing on a series s and i did notice with the uh the show 21 it the load times were a little bit disappointing and and maybe there just wasn't a whole lot of optimization there for the series s um but yeah so i noticed some differences there um with the new one that came out today but um otherwise it's it's a lot of the same kind of stuff so which isn't a bad thing. It's it's a good game, but right. uh, yeah, cool. I uh, I played a little bit of of last year's and enjoyed it, but it it was very much a I'm gonna play like forty five minutes of this now, and then in a week I'll play another forty five minutes, and in a week I'll play. And I just eventually was like, okay, I think I'm good. I've gotten the experience. Yeah. I didn't yeah, actually it's, purchase it, so it's it's weird. It's like for 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 all the sports games it's got like the most little mini games in yeah. it like everything has like a meter or like a pattern you have to draw or like a little cursor you have to like everything is tied to like these weird little mini games and mm-hmm. it's i've enjoyed it but um yeah i mean if it doesn't grab you right away then it probably won't <laughs> right i've played the show games in the past but i yeah. just never have stuck with any of them maybe it's because it's baseball and i never stick with baseball either even once i get into it i'm like okay i'm done now yeah what really got me into it was uh i think i mentioned this before but me and a couple buddies started a a custom league oh yeah yeah. draft one team from a certain division and we actually play like a season against each other that that's a lot of fun so yeah so you're not playing as your own you're not doing the road to the show yet i am doing that Um, does your character have a beard uh, this year I did give this character a beard for the, wow. the, uh, the show 22 that I just made. So I don't know why I just, yeah, maybe, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I'm addicted now, but, Damn. uh, cause I never had a beard before in the game. So maybe oh. I'm changing. I'm slowly changing. Yeah, dude. Beardy. Beardy. Indeed. Beardy. All right, boys. Well, I think that's it for the show. Yeah. Don't forget. You can join us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash handsome fan pay a buck or more if you want, but pay a buck uh, for a month of ad-free early access. We appreciate it. Join our Discord, handsomefandom.com slash Discord. We'd appreciate that. Come hang out with us. Other than that, I think that's all, that's all we got. I'll see you guys later. The HP Podcast is supported by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsomefandom. Jason Canham, Toby Ryland, Chaz Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Boots, Fusebro, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, and H-Trance.